morning. It's so good for uh, the, having this opportunity to welcome you to God's house, to be with God's people on this day of worship. We are glad to see you, and we give God thanks for you. We have info cards that we're redesigning. You'll see new cards like this next week, but this is a way for us to gather some information from you, but we want to make sure that you know you're welcome here and that you have some room and space if you would just like to be left alone, which is fine as well. Because welcomes are tricky things. Um, it's so easy to misinterpret them. I was talking to a gentleman just this morning out in the foyer next to the donuts, and he moved to Lexington maybe five or six years ago and said that when he first moved to town, he went to Spalding's Donuts, and they found out he was a new resident, and they gave him a free donut. Then he went to McGee's, and they found out he was a new resident, and they gave him a free donut. Then he went to North on Lime, and they found out he was a new resident, and also got another free donut. So after many of these episodes, he went with his wife to Wild Eggs. And as they were making their order, the waitress said, Would you like a cinnamon roll? And he said, Why, yes. And his wife leaned over and whispered, You do know you're not getting this one for free. He was kind of surprised. I just thought this is what we did here in this town. You get a free pastry every time you go to a new restaurant as a new resident. But our sincere hope is for you to know how pleased we are to have you here among us, how glad we are for your presence, and how we hope to make you feel as welcome as possible because we as the people of God believe in lifting you up. And sometimes folks need a little more attention than others, and sometimes folks just need a little more space than others. And if we get that wrong, we're sorry, but all we want you to know is how glad we are that you are here as we welcome you in the good name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus.
Good morning. Please stand as you are able for our call to worship. How beautiful is the word of the Lord. Through the Lord's precepts, we gain understanding. The Lord is our God. We are God's people. Living Word, Great Teacher, lead us and guide us. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, when we fail to appreciate the beauty of this world and this life that you have generously given us, when we neglect to lean into your wisdom, when we stumble in following your commandments, forgive us. When we seek your understanding, 
when we strive for what is right and good, when we try to allow your word to live in us and through us, please guide us. We live in awe, O oh God, of your complexities. You love us when we can be so hard to love. You forgive us when our actions seem so unforgivable. And still you pick us up, dust us off, take our hand, and as the great teacher whose patience and compassion is infinite, you help us try yet again to live as you would have us live. Thank you, God, for your endless grace and for your beautiful word that is our guidebook to life. Help us yet again to live as you would have us live and to love others as you love us. Amen. And now pass the peace of Christ with those around you. Just enjoy and watching. Good morning. My testimony this morning is part of a new series that we're starting called Why I Love Central. This idea came um, when Mark got back from his sabbatical and he was watching the different sermons from the summer and he saw a theme in the different um, ideas presented of people defining our church and on their own terms from their experience. And so he thought it might be good for us to continue this, to continue to share why this church means so much to us, what our experiences are, and that maybe we could connect on a different level through that um, sharing with one another. So I'm here to tell you this morning why I love Central. Several years ago, when I began attending this church, um, my first cousin had just died suddenly at age 38. We were attending a different church at the time, and I realized in that moment that I did not know who to call. Um, I was thinking, who do I call to tell that this has happened? I mean, he lived far away. It wasn't like it was earth-shattering in the moment, but it, it, was, it was still my cousin, and it was sudden. And Matt and I had already begun wondering if maybe it was time to change churches, and I realized at that moment, at least for me, this was the catalyst that said, yes. When something like this happens to me, big or small, I want to know who to call. So actually, it was Matt's idea. He, he said, why don't we try the you know, uh, Central Baptist there across from the mall? And so I came by myself on a Wednesday night. As you all already know from my previous testimonies and from knowing me, I grew up in church, and I was a preacher's kid. So I knew that Wednesday night is where the real heart of a church is. So we were um, at this church, we were still having prayer meeting. So I came to a prayer meeting one night, and the people here just welcomed me. 
they reached out and they touched me. And some of you ladies are the ones. You reach out and touch. And touch is my love language, so I was drawn right in. Um, the rest of my family still had obligations at our former church, so I kept coming on Wednesday nights. And um, as our obligations lessened, they also began to come. Our Sunday school class at the time was led by Becky Colliver. And you know her. She made sure that we felt welcome in that class. And this was really important because unbeknownst to all the members of that class, we were all new. Charles and Michelle had just come, and Aaron and Melissa had just come, and we had just come, and none of us knew that everybody else was new. So Becky made sure that we all felt welcome. While that's a real gift, the way that this church welcomes people, you know that it takes more than a good welcome to keep people here. And that Sunday school class has been a big part of that. We, uh, in that class, we try to see scripture in new ways, and we try to think of how God is calling us to act in community with one another. I feel comforted that while I, not, I cannot change the, all the things wrong in the church and in the world, I can contribute in some way here to someone who is making a difference. I love Central because it strives to use our strengths for service. I feel so honored to not only be asked to be a deacon here, but to serve as chair now in my second year, to be allowed to write and direct our Christmas musical last year, to teach adult Sunday school, and sometimes play the piano and worship and other special services. I feel that my input and voice is valued, but not in a way where I am asked to do everything, or in a way where my voice is valued more than others. There is a balance here where people try to both listen and be heard. The staff here are always trying to adjust based on the needs and desires of the congregation, and the congregants are willing to make changes to meet those needs. While there have been many changes while my family has attended here, one thing has remained constant, and that is the love that I feel from this group of believers. It comes in many forms, loving on me, believing in me, accepting me as I am, encouraging me, checking on me, and challenging me. I always leave this place with a sense of hope. Hope for myself, hope for my family, and hope for the world. That's why I love Central. Close my eyes so I would not see. My Lord did trouble me. When I let things stand that should not be. My Lord did trouble me. When I held my head too high, too proud. My Lord did trouble me. 
When I raise my voice too little, too loud My Lord, did trouble me Did trouble me With a word or sign With a ringing in the bell in the back of my mind Did trouble me Did stir my soul for to make me human and make me whole When I slept too long, slept too deep My Lord did trouble me Put a worrisome vision into my sleep My Lord did trouble me When I held myself away and apart My Lord did trouble me when the tears of my mother didn't broke my heart, my Lord did trouble me, did trouble me. With a word or sign, with the ringing in the bell in the back of my mind, did trouble me, did stir my soul, or to make me human, to make me whole. And of this I'm sure, this I know, my Lord will trouble me wherever I go, wherever I go, my Lord will trouble me. In the whisper of the wind, in the rhythm of a song, my Lord will trouble me to keep me on the path where I belong, my Lord will will trouble me with a word or sign with the ringing in the bell in the back of my mind will trouble me will stir my soul for to make me human to make me whole make me human to make me Psalm 121, I will lift my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. <clears throat> he will not let your foot be moved, he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade in your right hand. The shade shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your, coming, your going out and your coming in from this day on and forevermore. The word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray together, please. Dear God, as personal confession, I say thank you for those people whose faith is strong when mine is weak, whose hope is close to them when mine seems far away, who love when I find love difficult to give or receive. Thank you for those who do that for me, for those who do that for us. And I pray, God, that even in our worst days, we too can be that for others, that they can know that despite whatever our journey brings us, that the faith and love and the hope that brings us close to you is still vital and alive, even in the darkest moments. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to rise with me now as you are able in the hearing of our gospel lesson today found in the 18th chapter of the gospel of Luke. Hear now the living word. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Today's sermon features seven motivational sentences, all from famous people who spoke about the vital importance of persistence. I found most of these statements when Googling the phrase, the consequences of giving up. And through a website called lifehack.com, I came across a few of these important words of hope. All part of the deep well of wisdom that we might drink from and become refreshed. Motivational sentence number one. If birds can glide for long periods of time, then why can't I? Orville Wright. Neither Orville nor Wilbur, his older brother by four years, had high school diplomas when that date of December 17, 1903, and that place of Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, made them famous. For 12 seconds, the aircraft that they had been perfecting for many years, that they called the Wright Flyer, W-R-I-G-H-T, lifted from the ground and traveled 120 feet in the air before touching down on the soft Carolina sands. After three other additional tries that day, the final attempt lasted a full one minute and quadrupled the earlier record set that morning by traveling a distance of 852 feet in the air. Thus began the great era of human defying gravity and taking flight into the wild blue yonder and beyond to our moon and maybe the distant stars. Our parable confronts us with a similar question. How long does it take for our prayers to find their way to God. At the time of the writing of Luke's gospel, the community was dealing with how the things of God seemed to be slowing down. Some people had seen, but others had only just heard about the many wondrous things that God had done as recorded through Luke's double-volumed Luke-Acts. The Holy Spirit had been mightily at work through Jesus and the spreading of his message of love and redemption through his earliest followers. But now, this second generation of Christians felt overwhelmed by the power of the Roman world and its challenge against the advance of the fledgling church movement. If Jesus was coming back, he sure was taking his time in doing so, and the people were starting to lose hope. Motivational sentence number two. If I have done this public any service, it is due to my patient thought, or we might say today are my persistent thought. Isaac Newton. 
Isaac Newton failed as a farmer before he found his way to a career in science. Let that be a lesson to you. Farming is a lot harder than science. And Luke offers us a parable about the persistent widow. We don't know the exact nature of the injustice that had been done to her, but she was powerless, without an advocate, and unable to fend for herself. With no one to help her, she became her own advocate and took matters into her own hands. Motivational quote number three, this one from Abraham Lincoln. Always bear in mind that your own resolution to succeed is more important than any other. Now, all of you likely know that Abraham Lincoln failed at two attempts to be a senator before he was elected to be president of the United States. And with the domestic conflicts that he inherited, we could hardly count it a reward for his new status as a leader that he had now a nation at war with itself to contend with and suffering severe bouts of melancholy and perhaps clinical depression. The steady hand of Lincoln's gentle strength has enshrined him as one of our nation's greatest presidents. Persistence can grow out of our desperation, especially when we are fighting for our own personal survival. But in order for our cause to truly last, it needs something more, something just not tied to the fate of just desserts or fair outcomes. Let's admit it. At times, the wicked will prosper, and the good people and the good causes they advocate will suffer. And we begin to think, has God given up on us? Has God abandoned us? Is there even a God who cares to hear my concerns? What I think drove our persistent widow and perhaps these other examples of those who are inspiring us with their great lives and words was not their desperation, but the certainty concerning the legitimacy of one's own cause. We persist simply because we know what we are doing is right. And it is within that embedded righteousness that we find our own justification to continue. There may not be a single person telling the truth anymore, but because I believe in the importance of truth telling, I will not succumb to the winds of the age. There may not be anyone caring for anyone's welfare but their own. But because it's so important for me to live a life of compassion for others, I will not surrender to the parading and pervading mood of nothing but self-interest. 
Despite all the evidence to the contrary, I will stay the course. I will persist and seek to do what is best and good and right. Motivational statement number four. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Basketball great Michael Jordan. We will get it wrong, but God loves us and forgives us. We will keep getting it wrong, and God loves us and forgives us. We will want to give up, and God will love us and forgive us. We will give up. And God loves us and forgives us. Because if you've been thinking all along, and maybe when you've heard this parable in the past, you've assumed that God must be like that most unrighteous judge. And finally, we'll relent to our cause by our constant asking. But maybe you've got it all backwards. What if God is most like the persistent widow? The one who keeps at it. The one who never gives up on us. That we are the unjust judge. We are the ones reluctant to act. And it is God who is pleading God's cause before us. Praying that we would enter into the messy place of life. For a cause greater than ourselves. And like that persistent widow, powerless except for what we might do for God, God waits and encourages and keeps at it and keeps asking and keeps prodding and keeps troubling us. We are the ones that need to be told do right. Do what is good. Do what is honorable. Don't give up. Keep at it. Motivational statement number five. Action is the foundational key to all success. Pablo Picasso. What do you do when your questions are greater than your answers what do you do when your doubts are greater than your certainties? Those who have figured out how to persist in prayer as a discipline of life have realized that prayer cannot be tied to results all the time. They continue to ask even when answers come slowly. For if we received an immediate and satisfactory answer for every question and a quick fix for every prayer, isn't it likely that over time we would become more spoiled than saintly? While we may want the speed of a Xerox copy, God is painting a masterpiece. And masterpieces take a long amount of time to complete. Number six. This one from Mark Twain. 
To succeed in life, you need two things, ignorance and confidence. We can get all excited about the great things God has done in the past. The parting of the Red Sea, the Jericho walls come crumbling down, Jesus' defeat against the scourge and sting of death. But most of us live our lives through the persistent and quiet power of God. A God who is patient. A God who moves at times too slowly for our appetites. A God who works as much through the lightning bulbs as through the lightning bolts. A God who is just as likely to show up in the living section of today's paper than upon the front page. And rather than giving us a quick off-ramp of exit and rescue, God promises to walk with us through our questions, our anxieties, our uncertainties, our worries. And that's the point, that we walk through them, through the shadow of death, not to stay there forever, but to know that with God and with others, we have strength to help build us in the midst of our trial and difficulty. That we persistently, courageously, compassionately move through with others helping us, with God blessing us, with God calling us in order to build inside us something far more important than what we might foolishly declare as our deliverance. And finally, number seven. I began with Orville Wright. Now let me conclude with one from his brother, Wilbur. I must confess that in 1901, I said to my brother Orville that man would not fly for at least another 50 years. And he proved himself wrong just three short years later. Orville and Wilbur had promised their father, who feared losing both of them in an airplane accident, that they would never fly together. The father made one single exception, however, on May 25th, 19 and 10. And he allowed the brothers to share a six-minute flight near Dayton, Ohio, with Orville piloting and Wilbur the passenger. After landing, Orville took his 82-year-old father on his first and only flight as Orville gained elevation, he heard his exci excited father cry out, Higher, Orville! Go higher! Pray and don't lose heart, for you rise with each petition higher and higher. Let us pray. Now, O oh God, fill us with wisdom, fill us with strength, fill us with courage.
and trouble us just a little bit to keep going and to never give up. Amen. We conclude this time with a hymn of response. We are on one, we are one in mission. It is hymn 733, a time to respond to the grace and goodness of God as you wish to hear us know of how God is working in your life. Let us stand and sing hymn 733. Well, it's been a little bit of a gray day, hasn't it? But inside this room, there has been a brightness and lightness of grace and love. And truly, every part of this service has uplifted my heart. I am so grateful for Christie's testimony, for Jane's special music, and for the choir's beautiful anthem. I almost wanted to sit down and not preach that sermon. It's been a good day. In the life of our church, you'll notice wonderful things that are happening that you can engage with. 
We are currently invo involved in a coat drive for children in Eastern Kentucky, and that will be going on a week in this week and into the next week. And if you are able to help donate new or slightly used uh, coats that would fit uh, birth to uh, 18 years of age, then please have those here by November the 3rd. Also, uh, what we call the baby boomers, but really open to all, uh, are working at God's Pantry this Thursday at 10, but they are a little light in number this week. Uh, Cecilia Broadwater fell in New Mexico and uh, broke her ankle, uh, but she came back home. But she said, you know, there I was far away, in a far distant land, almost the desert, and um, she had to go to the ER because she had fallen and twisted this ankle that now is broken. And walking in, in the ER, her doctor had on a UK t-shirt <laughs> from the University of Kentucky. And even though she's a Louisville fan, she told me, I'm hoping now she realizes where God truly lives. <laughs> but she's home now, had some outpatient surgery, but she would have been helping at God's pantry, but obviously cannot. Uh, another person is having some cancer treatment, so they need some help, and if you can help them do that uh, this week at 10 o'clock. Uh, I'm sorry, this Thursday at 10 o'clock. Any other words of hope? Well, they are words of hope. They are here in the pew with each other. Spend some time sharing after the service as you lift up one another in the grace of God. Would you bow now for the benediction? Go now in the goodness and grace of our loving God, joined by his Son, our Savior Jesus, who teaches us patience even as he suffered and endured the cross, promising we would not be left to face our adversities alone, who forgives our mistakes, and who puts us on the firm path of our restoration until that glorious day of resurrection when all tears have been wiped away and we sing in victory forever. Let us walk in the light.